episode of the Replacement Level Show, where you get the latest and greatest information on all things baseball. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. You can find me on X at C underscore Phillips underscore 13. You can follow the show at Replacement Level 1. You can also listen to the show on Spotify, YouTube, and Applecast. If you are a fan of the show and want to chat with us, please be sure to enter any comments you have on the bottom of the show or interact with us on social media as well. We'd love to hear from you guys out there as well. Today we have a special guest on the show. Joining us is Matt Cozy. Cozy. Am I saying it right, Cozy? Yeah. Perfect. Of the Locked On Network. So, Matt, welcome to the show and thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me, Chris. It's a nice Monday evening to talk some baseball. Yes, for sure. Is it uh, not too chilly up in Chicago, I'm guessing? Yeah, it's uh, high 30s, low 40s, so it's it really hasn't gotten too bad yet. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, I've got a similar weather for you down here. I'm in Indiana, so just a little bit south of you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it was it's a little bit chiller than, like, I don't know, I feel like it is. Like, it says it's 30, but I'm like, it just feels colder than that. But uh, Right. But, yeah, so um, – all right, well, we have you on here, obviously, to talk baseball, and we're going to talk about the Cubs as well here. But uh, first, I kind of want to get your thoughts. There were some big moves that happened not too long ago, and obviously that is the mega deal, the 10 years, $700 million contract for Shohei Otani, and then also, um, also the big trade of Juan Soto going from the Padres to the Yankees, and Obviously, Cubs aren't really going to be interacting a whole lot with the Yankees, but they will be dealing with the Dodgers. So let's start with the Dodgers move. Kind of what is your thought and kind of on that move, I guess, in general? Yeah, just some absolutely wild moves around baseball this past week. Um, You know, I I think it's really a mix of emotions right now. You know, even the last couple hours, there's more things breaking about the Otani deal. (laughs) Um, I haven't really spoken about it, you know, publicly yet. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with it, to be honest with you, Chris. I think um, what transpired on Friday was really strange. Um, I'm a teacher by day and podcaster by night. So I did, you know, I missed a lot of it in real time. But, you know, it seemed like Otani was going to the Blue Jays and then he wasn't. Um, Tom Verducci reported that, you know, his camp might have misled John Morosi. Mm. Um, and then we have the, the things that broke tonight about his contract. And so it's a really weird progression that's happening right now. Um, you know, somebody that was revered is now potentially becoming a villain. Mm. And... You know, I'm, I'm still trying to reflect on this and like, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, we, that, that people have their flaws, but it's just very surprising. Like if that, if that's true, that they floated out things to Morosi and made him look, you know, silly. And then they have all this like, you know, deferrals, unprecedented deferrals, um, you know, it just it just seems like he wanted to go to the Dodgers the whole time. It just seems kind of uh, it's just a little bit like grimy to me for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really wrestling through it. I know that's kind of like that's kind of just who I am, like a sentimentalist. 
but it's just, I don't know, it makes me question a lot of things about him. It is absolutely a very interesting set of circumstances that have been going on, like you said, since Friday when it looked very strongly that it was going to be a announcement of him signing with the Blue Jays, and then all of a sudden that didn't happen. Like I had heard reports right. that you say Kikuchi had had a reservation at a hot sushi place that's like right across from uh, the Blue Jays stadium and stuff at like I think – seven o'clock or something like that and so it's like okay that makes a lot of sense like you have the 6 p.m press release of announcing Otani and then goes over for sushi and that's how it's gonna go and then all of a sudden it's like that didn't happen and and like you said so and then also with the new information that's coming out too like it's just it's very odd and maybe what should be a time where kind of like or at least the Dodgers fans should be excited about getting maybe the greatest right. baseball player of all time now it's kind of like uh, or is this just the start of a whole bunch of drama that is going to be unfolding over these next 10 years? That's a great summary of it. Yeah, I do wonder about that. I think I think by default, you know, there's going to be some bitterness from non-Dodgers fans, for better or worse. I think they will be the team to loathe. I personally never really had a position like that as a baseball fan. I haven't really, like, hated a team for like non-baseball reasons. Like obviously I, I don't like the Cardinals and the Brewers and other people in the Cubs division. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely something to, to wrestle with moving forward. Um, you know, the, the one, two and three of that lineup is uh, crazy. You know, three of the top five players slotted in the, top three spots in one team's lineup. I, I don't, has that ever been done before? So um, it really, it really is going to be something to watch for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Want to shift over to obviously the Soto deal with the Padres. He's now going to be yeah. going from the NL to the AL. So on one side, that's got to be a good thing because that's one less, you know, big bat that the Cubs have to deal with. But at the same time, the Padres still have a lot of other talent in that roster as well. But uh, I want to hear kind of your thoughts on that deal that went down between those two clubs. Yeah, it was a high price to pay for, for the, for the Yankees. Um, you know, there's, there's stuff coming out that Hal Steinbrenner, you know, had, had influence over that deal and, um, you know, really wanted Juan Soto. Um, you know, it was, it was floated at one time or another in the offseason that the Cubs were in on both Otani and Soto. And so, you know, you did wonder about that um, from a Cubs perspective. But honestly, the way the timelines have gone, I've kind of become numb to some of these moves just because, you know, they, they, they happened when we wouldn't expect or they were kind of almost like delayed um, but, but just a, a very high price to pay, you know, that was no joke, that trade. I understand why the Yankees have to do it, but the fact is, is that Juan Soto, um, when we enter the, the winter meetings in 2024, he's going to be free to go wherever he wants. And so to potentially pay that price just for one year is a risk, but they obviously calculated from a Yankees perspective that it was worth it. Yeah, and I I have to think that they're thinking is 
we pay all that price, but at the end of the year, we're hoisting that World Series trophy. Yeah, it's right. It's totally worth it. But yeah, if that doesn't happen, because I mean, that, that kind of puts you right on the path of we're going all in this year. And so you all the moves after this have to continue along that way because that's kind of what you're doing. And if you don't yeah. follow through on it, then it's going to look bad. But right. um, I guess that's life in New York. You know, you, you got to be winning titles to stay relevant. And if not, people don't like you and they want you out of town. So. Um, but enough, we're going to sidetrack just a little bit here. So Matt, you are part of the locked on network. I want to get your thoughts or I want to get your, your story. How did you get started in, uh, and with locked on and, and doing all this? Yeah. So my podcast partner, Sam and I launched, uh, our own show in the thick of the pandemic in August of 2020. And we did a show, um, you know, weekly for about 30 to 40 minutes. It was mostly Cubs, but it was other stuff too. And we committed to a Sunday night recording time. We would publish Monday mornings. And, you know, we ended up doing that on a weekly basis for about two years. So we got a lot of reps. We, we did 92 episodes of that show. And, you know, before I became a teacher, I was um, a reporter I covered the Hawkeyes in the Iowa City market for a newspaper. Um, I've been a radio and podcast nerd for a long time. So eventually, as Sam and I were getting all these reps, like I, I knew we were doing a good show um, because he's very gifted at it as well. And um, just knowing the industry and listening to a lot of other shows, I knew we were we were producing something positive. It was just that no one was listening. I mean, literally, we were getting 60, 70 downloads a week, but we were very content. It was it was purely a hobby at that point. Um, and then the the host of Locked On Cubs, which which I was I was aware of the Locked On Network, just knowing the industry like I do, and I would sample Cubs podcasts from time to time, just being a diehard Cubs fan. And the Locked On Cubs host left right after opening day in April of 2022. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, I thought that they would have a host lined up in the third largest market, one of the most popular teams. Um, so every now and then I would check the feed and there was never any new shows, never any new shows. And so like June rolls around and I asked Sam, like, hey, should we contact Locked On? Maybe we could take over the show. And, um, and so sure enough, we got in touch with them. Um, we did a couple demos and then we took it over in July of uh, 2022. That is awesome. That is yeah. an incredible story. Yeah, thank um, you. That's, I mean, talk about shooting your shot. Like if you guys didn't do that, you may not be where you are right now. You'd still be doing yeah. your own show, which sounds like it was great anyways. But, um, you know, obviously this was step up and everything. So that's pretty cool. Thank you. That was really cool. Um so some also cool news that happened this off season is that yeah. we got a new manager. <laughs> um, it, it's shocking. At least I was shocked by it. I didn't see it, it coming. Um, just kind of give us your thoughts on it and kind of what you've heard from Cubs fans. It was a shock because the owner, Tom Ricketts, and the president, Jed Hoyer, uh, gave David Ross a vote of confidence after the season. Um, you know, I think Sam and I in our show – were more or less the leaders in the clubhouse when it came to criticism of David Ross. Mm -hmm. uh, most of it, you know, in-game decision-making. 
And, um, you know, we wondered if he was going to be the manager of the next great Cubs team or not. And, you know, Craig Council was a free agent. Um, he was free to pursue whatever team he wanted. And, and you know, we would casually talk about it on the show. And even last season during the year, we would cite Craig Council because he was someone that we admired. And it's clear that he was getting more out of the Brewers for, for his whole career. And, uh, you know, the Cubs were never floated as a possibility, never. When the news broke, that was the first time the Cubs were actually mentioned. So it was an incredible shock. Um, I still remember that morning. I was actually homesick that day. And it was like, it was, it was Brewers or Mets. And Council's ready to pick. He's going to announce it today. And Brewers or Mets. And then there was like a period where somebody reported that, um, you know, he's picked his team. Not only has he picked his team, but guess what? It's not the Mets or Brewers. Um, I didn't experience that like 20, 25 minute period because then after 25 minutes, it was, you know, revealed that it was the Cubs. I believe Ken Rosenthal had first. Um, so it was a total shock, you know, almost like a, you know, you, you, you get up off your couch, you kind of pace around the family room, you call the, the Cubs fans closest to you. I was getting calls from the Cubs season ticket office. You know, they got in full gear. Hey, do you want a 20 game package? Do you, you know, would you be interested in this? Whatever. Um, it was a complete shock. You know, I'm, I think we're, we're very excited. Um, you know, Jed Hoyer made a shrewd move um, to fly down to Florida like that and fire a manager that was already in place that he gave a vote of confidence to. And, oh, by the way, we had talked to Craig Council, and we didn't tell you. We're just going to release you right now on the spot. Um, to me, it was the signal that the Cubs are serious. Now, whether their moves this offseason mirrors that or not remains to be seen. But there's there's no doubt in my mind that Council makes this team better immediately. You mentioned about how Ross got let go and you guys had some, during the season, some criticisms of him. Yeah. Was any of what he did in his tenure here worthy of the point of getting released like maybe this early in? Or was it something like he's possibly, if he doesn't turn it around, he's going to be let go? Or are we like, no, he really needed to go? We thought that there were. I think at the end of the day, we thought for most of the year that there was wins on the table left. And we felt that Ross was the main responsible, you know, uh, the main person responsible for that. And then Jed Hoyer, sure enough, said that, you know, after the move. Um, he said, regardless of how we think it happened, and David Ross is going to have a, a good career if he wants it and managing still. We left wins on the table in 2023. Whether that was lineup construction, whether that was leaving a guy in too early on the bump, whether that was um, going to the wrong guy out of the pen, um, whether that was maybe holding on to the veterans too long and giving them more plate appearances than they that they deserved. Um, you know, I, I just think that there were wins on the table. You know, there's a couple of ways to measure that. 
but the Cubs had the fourth highest run differential in the National League, and they didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And do you attribute that to a manager? I don't think it would be fair to do that fully, um, but it goes both ways, you know, good and bad. What do you attribute the Brewers always being better than their expected record based on run differential. What do you attribute that to? It's got to it's got to work both ways. The Cubs' expected win loss last year was ninety and seventy two, and they won eighty three games. So where does that minus seven come into play? I think David Ross plays a role in that. Um, I don't think that I anticipated him being released, but I thought that he would enter twenty four. Um, like on like kind of a hot seat position. That makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so obviously we have a change in manager here, and you guys kind of got a feel for how the Cubs wanted to play and the type of players that maybe Ross kind of won and everything like that. Now you have a big change with Council. How much of an impact do you think that's going to be on the Cubs' like moves this offseason? Like, are you going to see maybe a different style of? player that you wouldn't have seen under Ross or will be just still kind of the same, same old. Well, I think he's going to have some influence over who they get. Uh, Council is, Um, you know, he's, he's so good at the margins of the game. So, you know, if the Cubs sign a guy that we've never heard of, well, maybe council thinks that he would be good in the sixth inning. Maybe council thinks that, he would be good coming off the bench against the curveball, you know, for a pinch hit. Um, so it's it's kind of like stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I we're we're in a weird position right now in the Cubs universe because I think we're losing our our focus a little bit because the Otani and Soto moves were so huge. But the fact is, is that all of baseball is pretty much inactive. It's not just the Cubs. For whatever reason, like nothing is really happening. Um, so we'll see what happens here. We're kind of in that buffer zone. But but I, I do think that there's going to be some council influence. It's just not exactly clear what that is yet. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what he what he does and how he shapes the lineup and the roster to kind of yeah. his, his liking. Uh the, obviously, every team has needs this offseason, but in, in your opinion, what are the two biggest needs that the Cubs have? My instinct is to say starting pitching and relief pitching, okay. um, but but they really do need a bat or two. Um, they have clear holes at the corners in the infield, and they have a center fielder waiting in the wings and Pete Armstrong. Um, but I don't think that if the Cubs are going to be in a contending position that he necessarily opens on March 28th with the Cubs. Um, so positionally, you have first, third, and center, and then you need at least one more starter and then a, a reliever or two. So those are really the main needs right now. What are the chances that the Cubs are able to bring back Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman? I think the chances on Stroman are, are almost next to nothing. Okay. Um, I don't have evidence to say that the, the, their relationship was hampered, but there was some things that went on down the stretch um, that I think Stroman is less appetizing to the Cubs right now. Um, but they still got to replace him. I mean, he was really good last year, especially in the first half. And I think they're going to be in on Bellinger, but at what price? 
the, the two teams that I'm looking at right now that lost out on Otani, Blue Jays and Giants, and then lost out on Otani and Soto in the Blue Jays, I think that they are going to warm up to a price point that starts with a two for Bellinger. And for someone that has been the worst player in baseball and the best, last year he, he was in between, had a great comeback year. He was comeback player of the year, literally. But I do think that the Cubs right now are trying to figure out on their whiteboard, like, do we want to pay 240 M's for Bellinger? Because how do you know that he's going to repeat it? He's been the worst player. Now, he's also been the best. And then last year, he was, again, he was in between, but honestly closer to the MVP level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, like, I, I want to say their chances are good on Bellinger. I think it's basically zero on Stroman. But the market right now is really competitive. I put out a list yesterday from the show account you know, realistic free agent target targets and the sh- the so-called like top 50 of free agency. And I excluded Bellinger for now, but you know, the, the market is, you know, like Brandon Bell, Reese Hoskins, Jorge Soler, JD Martinez. I'm talking from an offense perspective, but a lot of teams need these guys. Mm-hmm. So even though the market's not as good this year with like players, like talent, I do think there's teams that have needs, and they're gonna they're, there's gonna be multiple teams talking to these guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Um, as a Mariners fan myself, I know I've wanted Cody Bellinger to be yeah. on their team. I don't think they will because they are cheap and they're really frustrating me right now. So we won't talk about them. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, to your point, he's gonna be a high demand player, and yeah. I think you can make a strong argument that. In terms of offensive players that are left on the board, he's the top guy that's left. Um, I agree. So, so yeah, he will definitely be in demand. So it'll be interesting to see if the Cubs want to, you know, maybe outbid everybody. But um, you mentioned third base as another area of a need for them. With this current roster, saying they started, you know, March twenty eighth with this roster, they don't add anybody else in there to play third. Who's your expectation to be opening day uh, third baseman? Yeah, so it would be a platoon, Nick Magical and Miles Mastroboni. Mm. Um, so Magical would hit, you know, start against lefties. Mastro would start against righties primarily. Um, and, yeah, then that would be a very light position to op- open the year. But, you know, are you going to fill every hole in one offseason? I'm starting to think that you're not. Mm. Um, so I, it looks like they're more focused on first base in, in to, to add. And so third base right now, I'd say Madrigal or, or Mastroboni. Now the wild card here is Christopher Morell. I was going to ask about him. Can the Cubs find him a position? He's working right now at third in the Dominican Winter League. For whatever reason, he just hasn't gotten the, the, the footing correct. His, mm-hmm. his footwork has been cited as the main problem over there because his arm is – he throws like literally 90-plus. So it's really not – an issue of arm, maybe arm angle, but really it's the footwork and uh, like working from the ground up, and he's just bad at it. Um, so he DH'd almost all of last year. He's like more naturally a second baseman. He's actually looked good there. Um, but if he could play third, that'd be huge for the Cubs. Yeah, 
Yeah, I was going to ask about him just because he seems to be a jack-of-all-trades for them, like a guy that they can have in for a third for a game, and then yeah. the next game he can slide over to second or first or in the outfield. So um, it's just interesting because he seems to be able, at the plate, he seems to be able to produce. Um, yes. So it's just kind of interesting to see where he fits in with this this roster. Um some other guys that I'm curious your thoughts on their expectations heading into the seasons because they all had pretty good years last year would be Justin Steele, Adbert uh, Alzole, and then Javier Assad as well. What are your thoughts of them, of them going into this upcoming season? Yeah, well, Justin Steele looks like a possible number one starter. Adbert Alzolay looks like a uh, possible closer. And they might be in those roles for many years. And they might, you know, anchor the, the next great Cubs team, which is exciting. Um, Javier Assad is like a swingman right now. I do think he could be a starter. Um, he, he had some great outings last year. Um, also proved to be effective out of the pen. Um, I think he's going to compete for uh, a, a starting job in the rotation, as well as Jordan Wicks who debuted last year too. Um, but they need to add in the rotation. So we'll see what kind of spots Assad and Wicks have. But yeah, Steele and Alzali are the, you know, they're they're the people that, you know, the posters are on the side of Wrigley right now. Like Steele, Alzali, Horner, Swanson, Hap, Suzuki, and Morrell. That's really the main core of the team. So it's been cool to see a steal and Alzali, like actual homegrown Cubs pitchers, because when the Cubs were good in like that 15 to 18 range, they had to buy a lot of their pitching. And right now they've really developed it. And, um, you know, we'll see when, when the time is right, if they buy again. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's hard to develop pitchers because you can see yeah. guys that have electric stuff but for whatever reason they can't command it or they can't throw it consistently um or whatever the case and so maybe they were projected to be a starter but as they're moving up the the minor leagues you see like they're probably gonna be better off in the pen just because they can be a little bit more wild and go a shorter span than being a full-time starter or anything like that but yeah. kind of transitioning to minors and prospects we saw okay Pete Crow Armstrong make his debut at the end of last season. Um, so we're going to rule him off the board. Going into 2024, who is the prospect that the Cubs are going to call up this year? I think the first person that can graduate is Ben Brown, a righty pitching prospect. But I think the most intriguing is Kate Horton, okay. um, who's a righty pitching prospect as well. And he is likely going to start the year. He, well, he finished the year at double A, so he'll either start there or start at triple A Iowa. Um, so I think it's those two guys, you know, those are guys that the Cubs really haven't had before. Um, two, two power righties that miss a lot of bats, high strikeout rates. Um, so those are the two guys I'm, I think are almost like cut and dry. The two most clear prospects right now and the Cubs with their pitching needs you could see those dudes out of the pen or even starting a major league game. I mean, I could really see that, um, you know, maybe not to like the summer or like the late summertime, but um, I think those are the main ones right now. 
Awesome. Yeah, they, Ben Brown's definitely a name I've heard about for a while. Is kind of the the future ace of the Cubs, and to keep an eye on him, yeah. um, watching him as he's progressed through the minors. But Matt, want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's yeah. great having you on here. But before we let you go, I ask all the guests. This is the time for you to do some self-promoting, some bragging on your own work and everything. So um, share with the fans what you are working on next, what they can look forward to. Yeah, so uh, you can search for our show, Locked on Cubs, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're doing a lot of hypotheticals right now until actual moves are made. Doing still some reflecting on 2023, but you know, really peeking forward at this point to 2024 and um, we'll see what the Cubs do between now and the end of the calendar year. I expect a flurry of moves over the next three weeks around baseball, whether it's with the Cubs or otherwise. And um, so excited to uh, for, for Cubs fans to join us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, Matt, thank you for coming on. Love thank you, Chris. Show. Um, for everybody out there, follow him. You can follow him on X at Matt underscore Cozy. Yep. Like you said, uh, you can check out his show. I would recommend doing that, especially if you are a Cubs fan. They're going to bring you great content there. You can follow me on on X at C underscore under, Phillips underscore 13. The show at Replacement Level 1. You can follow my co-host, Rafal Neganwinski, who is over in Israel, and he's doing fine over there, doing wow. well in his gap year. At Rafal N613. Follow the show on Spotify, Twitter, Applecast, anywhere out there. Interact with us on any of the social media platforms. We love to talk baseball with you. Love to hear your feedback on what we are doing with the show as well. And until next time, everybody, have a great day. Hey.